your Bibles to Judges 13. Judges chapter 13. The Old Testament, the book of Judges chapter 13. I want to do something this morning on the next few minutes. I, I want to talk to you really about four motherly commitments. Four motherly commitments. And although this message in, in, in one sense is aimed at moms, on the other hand, it's really a, something that speaks to all of our lives today that we can all learn from. But I know from personal experience, not just from Scripture, I know from personal experience the importance of a godly mother. Benjamin Franklin once said, everything I am today, I owe it to my mother. Now, some of you are shaking your heads thinking, your mother could not have been that ornery. Uh, Well, I got that part from my dad. But the spiritual side of me comes from my mom, her input in my life. And I'll talk a little bit about that the next few minutes But what I want to do the next few minutes is I want to refer to four different men from the Bible and then really talk about the influence their mothers had in their lives. I want to talk to you about Samson, you know, the the big, strong guy who who could do anything, the guy with the long hair. I want to talk about Samuel, who was a, a judge over God's people and a prophet. I want to talk for a minute about Jesus. I want to talk fourth of all about Moses. But really, I want to talk about their mothers and the commitments that they made and what they learned from their mothers. Look at Judges chapter 13, verse number three. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, verse four, now, therefore, please be careful. And notice these words. Please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. The child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. This woman in Scripture is really unnamed. Now, there are some Jewish traditions and there are some Bible scholars who think maybe from genealogies in Scripture they might know her name, but there's a lot of disagreement about it. So this morning, we're going to stop and notice that in everything written about this woman, it just refers to a woman. It mentions her husband's name, but it does not mention her name directly. And it also mentions her son's name, Samson. Everybody knows about Samson. You know, the legends of Samson. This big, strong, muscular guy with long hair and a long beard who could do amazing things, kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, who could pull down the pillars of a temple and kill thousands of people. This amazingly strong guy. Well, we don't know for sure that he was really all that big. We don't know that he looked like Hercules or Atlas. We don't know for sure what his actual physical body looked like, but there's some things we know about this man, Samson. As it is many times in Scripture, he was born into a family where a mother's womb had been closed because God had saved it for a special moment, for a special time, for a special person. 
at a time when Israel needed a deliverer, someone to come on the scene and point them back to God and fight against their enemies. God had plans for a man whose name would be Samson, whose supernatural power, God's power, would rest upon him, that he would do great feats to point his people back to God. And we all know the story of Samson. He had high highs and he had low lows. But here's what I want you to notice. From the verses that we read, God spoke to this woman one day, and actually he appeared to her. The Lord told her, I'm going to give you a son for a purpose. But I want you to understand, he needs to be committed to me. He needs to be committed to me. And God said, I want him to take a Nazarite vow. And a Nazarite vow was a special vow. It was a vow that people would take for a period of time. And in, in at least three times in Scripture, there were people who took the vow for their entire lives because their parents put the vow upon them. Samson was one. Samuel was another. G, or John the Baptist was a third. And in this vow, they would not touch anything unclean that was called unclean by Scripture. Anything that was unclean, they would avoid it. They could not touch it. They could not shave their heads, the, their hair. They could cut their hair a little, but they couldn't shave their heads. And they couldn't shave their faces. They couldn't drink strong drink. And there were certain things that God said, I don't want you to do this because I want everybody to look at you and see that you have made a commitment to me. As a matter of fact, Samson's mother, she herself was committed to that vow until the child was born. Now, why, why is that important today? I think one of the commitments that children need to learn at home, and yes, it needs to come from dad and it needs to come from mom too, but since it's Mother's Day, let me talk to moms for a few moments. From Scripture, this woman made a commitment to God and she said, I will raise my son to be committed to you. I think children need to learn from mom about commitment to God. What does it mean? What does it look like? Now, I've raised two boys, and, you know, sometimes I'm still raising two boys. Zane's not here yet. Zane, are you here yet? Good, I can talk about Zane since he's not here yet. You know, Zane's not married yet, two, three months out still, but I'm still raising Zane. Once he gets married, he, he is his wife's responsibility. He is out of my hair, okay? But, you know, I've raised two boys, and there have been a lot of times being raised in a pastor's home that I heard things from those boys, well, why do we have to do this? And why do we have to do that? I don't want to do this. I don't want... Everybody else is this way. Why do we have to be this way? I heard that from my boys when they were growing up. As a matter of fact, I said that to my mom a lot of times. Why can't I be like everybody else? And my mom always had the same answer to me, and I passed it on to my boys. Because God has given me the responsibility of raising you and you knowing him and you being committed to him. And as long as you're in my house, I'm going to do everything in my power to see to it that you fulfill that commitment to God. Moms, it's okay to draw boundaries for your kids. Can I get at least one amen in the house this morning? It's okay to draw boundaries for your kids. It's okay to know what's on their cell phones. It's okay to know who they're talking to on the computer, who they're in touch with. It's okay to know what's going on at school. It's okay to talk to the teachers and find out what they're being taught at school. All of that's okay because you have a responsibility to teach your children about commitment to God. I can see Samson as a kid. 
Mom, it's hot. Can I get a haircut? No. But all the other kids have got buzzes. They got flat tops. Why can't I get a buzz? No. Why not? Because I said so. How many of you, how many of you loved that answer growing up? Because I said so. Why? Because God said you need to be committed to him. Well, what's my hair got to do with it? I, I want to look like everybody else. I want to be in style like everybody else. You know, you know what? I heard those kind of things from my kids growing up. I said those kind of things to my mom. Samson's mother knew that there's one thing that my boy has to know. He has to know that his life needs to be committed to God. Now, I could stand here this morning, and I don't have time to do it. I could give you a hundred reasons from scriptures why we need to have our lives committed to God. I can give you a lot of reasons. I don't have time to go into all the good side of that. Those of you who are here today who are walking with God, you know the blessings of the commitment to God. We know that God is committed to us, and we need to be committed to him. But moms, teach your children from the time they're babies on. Teach them the name of Jesus. Teach them how much God loves them. Teach them that God has great plans for their lives. Let them know that they can commit their lives to God, and God will always be there. And even in the worst of moments, God has the ability to turn it all into good. So teach your kids about commitment to God and model that commitment to God. Samson learned commitment to God from his mother. Number two, I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'm going to look at four different passages today. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We'll have the scriptures on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let's talk about Samuel and his mother. Samuel and his mother, Hannah. Hannah prayed for a son. She was barren as well. She prayed and she prayed this prayer. God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. And God heard the prayer. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. It says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you'll indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. There's that Nazarite vow again. Verse 27, she goes on to say, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. And finally, in verse 28, Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. Notice those words. I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. Now, I love this story. I love this story. Hannah prays for a son and She's misunderstood by Eli the priest. But finally, when it all comes about, Hannah conceives. She, she's given a son by God, and she makes this commitment to God. And her commitment is, God, I'm going to give this boy back to you, and he's going to understand the importance of your house all the days of his life. So when this boy is weaned, when he's old enough to live among the priests, she takes her son to God's house. She leaves him there for the priests to raise him in the house of God. Anytime I talk about this passage of Scripture, I always add a disclaimer. We're not going to literally do this. Do not bring your kids here and drop them off and lead them and say, think, okay, they're done forever. Pastor Gary will take care of it. It's not going to happen, okay? But let's look at the implications of this. I mentioned earlier, I, I'm, I'm a product spiritually of my mother. 
My dad didn't go to church when I was a kid. He believed in God. And, you know, he'd been hurt in his early years by some things that happened at a church. And he didn't go to, go to church. He just wouldn't go. But I'm going to tell you something. When I was a kid, every time the door was open, my mother made me go to church. And let me tell you what my, what my week looked like, okay? Now, I know some of you say, yeah, but that was a long time ago. No, it wasn't. I'm pretty, I'm a lot younger than some of you think. Like I said last week, I'm almost 60, but that's pretty young. Here's the deal. Sunday morning, we had Sunday school at 945. At 11 o'clock, we had church service until about 1230, sometimes 1 o'clock. We would go to lunch. We would come back to the church at 3 o'clock because our church had a radio broadcast. And my mom was involved in that. And sometimes I was involved in singing with the choir, singing with the group, so on and so forth. We would go home for a little while, come back to church at 6 o'clock for youth service. And then at 7.30, we would have the evening service. And it would last usually until about 9.30 at night. And then we would go out to eat after church and we'd get home at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And when Monday morning rolled around, I was so tired from our day of rest that I hated Sundays. <laughs> it was like, Mom, my friends from school don't have to do, why do I have to do this? My mother understood the importance of being in the house of God. She understood that in the house of God, I was going to be influenced by peers and by people who were a little older than me that I could follow in their footsteps and learn how to walk out my relationship with God. Hannah said, I'm going to take my son in. I'm going to lend him to the Lord. God gave him to me. I'm going to lend him and give him back to the Lord. And he's going to be in the house of God all the time. Let me tell you something. I felt like I was in the house of God all the time because... Tuesday night, we had Bible study at church. Friday night, we had Bible study at church. Tuesday night was youth choir practice. Wednesday night was adult choir practice. I mean, we were in church almost every night of the week. And it's like, I don't have a life except for God's house. And there were times I hated it. There were times I said, I want to stay home and watch cartoons. I want to stay home and play with the kids. I refuse to do my homework if I have to go to church. I went through all that stuff. And my mom just said, we're going to God's house. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul wrote and said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's something we gain in the house of God that can't be replaced anywhere else in this earth. There's things that happen here that don't happen anywhere else. It's not the limit, God, but there are things that happen when God's people gather together. God shows up in a big way. And Hannah said, my son is going to be raised in the house of God. Here's what I learned. I would dare say, I was thinking about it this week. I don't think there were half a dozen times growing up when I missed a Sunday, except for on days when I was really sick. Probably half a dozen times in all the years I grew up. And you know what? In all the years since then, there haven't been half a dozen years or half a dozen Sundays that I've missed and not been in church. Because I learned the importance, the value, and the blessing of God's house. Samuel led a nation all of his life because his mother taught him the importance of being in the house of God. Then the third thing, Luke chapter 1. Let's talk about Jesus and, of course, Mary. We know the story of Mary and Jesus, especially Jesus. But in Luke chapter 1, the angel appears to Mary. And I want you to notice what the angel says. 
Verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, which, which literally means Savior, Deliverer. Verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. I mean, think about this. This angel shows up to this young woman, probably 13, 14 years of age and says, Mary, God wants to put a baby in you. And it's going to be the very Son of God, the Savior of the world. God wants to give this Son to you. There will never be another Son like this one. He's the Son of God. He's God in the flesh. Mary, you're 13, 14 years of age. Are you ready to deal with this? And notice Mary's response in verse 38. It says, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to to your word. The third commitment. Mary committed herself to raising a baby. Now, let, let's talk about this for a moment, okay? God came in the flesh, but he came as a baby. We, we just have a hard time getting our minds around that. From the time he was born, Mary and Joseph, but today let's focus on Mary. Mary had this responsibility of raising this boy to be who God said he would be. The third commitment, moms, you need to commit yourself to raising your children to be who God created them to be, not who you want them to be, not even who dad wants them to be. Children need to learn who they are. They need to get on that path and find out this is who God said I'm going to be and this is who I'm going to be. It's a pathway of purpose. We need to teach purpose to our children. You're not here by mistake. You're not one of a million. You are one and there is not another one on the face of the earth like you and God has a reason for you being here. I mean, I, I still can't get my mind around. Can you imagine Mary trying to correct God? God, go to your room. I mean, I don't know how all those dynamics were with the baby. Jesus, go sit in the corner. You're wrong. And Jesus said, I'm not wrong. I'm God. I don't, I've never been wrong. Like, I don't know how all that worked out. But you know what? There were times growing up when my mom tried to funnel me in the right direction. You've got to know the purposes of God. And all along the way, I wanted to be this and I wanted to be that and I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. But when it came right down to it, I learned from my mother, the one thing you need to be in this life is who God created you to be. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There, there's no life and there's no calling like the calling on my life. I mean, I mean, there's nothing better. But you know why I feel that way? It's because it's my calling. I don't believe my calling is more important than yours. I don't think I'm above anybody else. God's chose me to do this. But I'm going to tell you something. Whatever the calling and purpose is on your life, whatever God has for you, you can't find it anywhere else except in God himself. And moms, we need to teach our children, if you will know God, he will show you what your purpose in life is. Life becomes easy. Jesus, I think, learned that from his mother. It's interesting, after the first two or three years of Jesus' life, you never hear Joseph mentioned again. Throughout Jesus' ministry, Joseph is never mentioned. But all the way to the end, his mother 
was there, all the way even to the cross, to the tomb, to the ascension. The mother was there. Moms, you need to commit yourself to helping your children find and fulfill their purpose in life. And, and then the, the fourth commitment, and I'm going to take a little more time with this because I think it speaks to Mother's Day. Look at Exodus chapter 2. Let's talk about Moses, his mother. In, in the writings in Exodus here, in the story of Moses, throughout all that was written about Moses, you don't find anything in there about his mother, really, except when you find genealogies. Twice in Scripture, you'll find her name, and her name was Yochebed. But this morning, I think most of us know about Moses, the deliverer of Israel. Told Pharaoh, let my people go. Brought in the plagues on the land. Led them out through the Red Sea. Led them through the wilderness. We know the story of Moses. Maybe the greatest leader of all time. An amazing man. But I want you to read about his beginnings. Look at Exodus chapter 2, verse number 1. And a woman of the house of Levi went and took a, as wife a daughter of Levi. Verse number 2. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Pause here. Have you ever seen a mom with a child that wasn't a beautiful child in mom's sight? That's interesting to me. She saw he was a beautiful child. Well, I've never seen a mom say, well, that is one ugly baby. I've never seen that. Now, I've seen some babies who are ugly, but I've never heard. I don't want to get into that. See, that's my dad coming out in me now, okay? But she noticed he was a beautiful child. There was something special about her son. Verse 3, when she could no longer hide him, notice these words, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Verse 5, then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. Behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Notice those words, call a nurse to nurse the child. Verse 8, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother, Moses' mother. In verse 9, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The fourth commitment I want to talk about, I want to spend just a couple of extra minutes here before I finish because I think it's important for us to understand today with the other commitments it's really important that moms make a commitment to nurturing your children if you go into the dictionary and look at the word nurture it means a lot of things there are several words that apply to it I don't have time to go into all of it today but the word nurture really means to create an atmosphere where that child can be safe and can thrive and can be taught and can learn the right things. And it's interesting that God orchestrated it where it says she hid her child for three months. 
When she couldn't hide him any longer, she built this little basket, put asphalt and pitch around it so it would float, covered it up, put the baby in there, left him in the bulrushes. Sent her daughter to, to watch over the baby. And then when Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river to bathe, God finds a way to put mom back in the baby's life. To do what? To nurture him. To nurse him. To nurture him. And there's five things I want you to notice real quickly. Number one, Jochebed, Moses' mother, understood that her child was the heritage of the Lord. Scripture talks about that. Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. See, what, what God says is, you have children, but you need to understand, if you're going to raise those children and nurture those children, you have to understand, those children are my heritage, not just yours. So we spend our lives trying to find how our kids are like us. We've got my nose, got my ears, got my eyes, got my hair, got my mouth, got this, got my build. We need to stop and realize this child has very distinct characteristics that look like God. Because children are the heritage of the Lord, made in the likeness and the image of God. So what does God want this child to be? Number two, a part of nurturing is not just to understand that this is God's heritage, God's child. But number two, sometimes moms lay down their lives and they risk their lives for the sake of their children. You know, what mother wouldn't save her child from death? What mother wouldn't gladly give her life to protect her child? It's a part of that nurturing effect that's inside of a mom. And this woman for three months hid this child because Pharaoh said every male child that's born has got to be thrown into the river to the crocodiles and killed. There'll be no more Hebrew male children. But this mom for three months hid the boy until she could hide him no longer. She risked her own life so that her son could live the life God had for him. Number three, she did all that she could. For three months, day and night, she protected this child. And she put him in the basket. Now notice this. Third thing, she did all that she could possibly do. Then she put him in God's hands. I wish I had an extra five minutes. I don't, don't really have it. My time's gone, but... Let me tell you something. Moms, you need to constantly be aware of the atmosphere that your children are in. You need to protect them. But when you've done all you can do and you have to send them off to daycare or you have to send them off to school or you send them off to college or you send them off into the military or you send them off to seek the job of their future, when those children go out, once you've done all you can do, you need to to continue to keep them in the hands of God. Do you know God loves your kids more than you do? Do you know God's more concerned about your children than you are? Do all you can do, but then put those children in the hands of God. That mom said, I can't do anything else. But what did she do? She got reeds. She made a basket. She put asphalt in pitch. I mean, Moses was just three months old. But if he'd been three years old, he said, Mom, this stinks. I don't want to be here. You know, sometimes your kid's going to look at you and say, Mom, this stinks. I don't like the way you're making me live. I don't like the way you're controlling my life. But it's your responsibility to do everything you possibly can. And then once you've done all, put them in the hands of God. 
It's good preaching. Some of you are clapping because I don't have the extra five minutes, but that's okay. Then the fourth thing, when she put him in the water in that basket, she sent her daughter out and said, watch and see what happens. See, there have been some moms thinking, oh, my God, I don't want my daughter down there. I don't want, to see, I don't want my daughter to see her brother, little baby Moses, eaten up by the crocodiles. This mom said, I'm going to put him in God's hands, and it's going to be okay. But you go down and keep an eye and see what's going on, because I have to work here in the home. You know what that is? It's a picture of intercession. I don't know how many nights. I don't know how many. But I promise you, there were a lot of nights when I was a teenager and an older teenager and then a young adult when my mom was awake in the wee hours of the morning covering me with prayer, praying over me because she'd already done all that she could do. She'd poured into me her entire life. She'd given me all of God she possibly could, but she never gave up on me and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed for me to the last day of her life. Moms, don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop interceding. On the best days, on the worst days, you put them in God's hands. Keep covering them with prayer. And I use this illustration a lot. Every time you pray and you say, man, I've prayed that prayer a hundred times. Just keep throwing rocks on top of God's house. He's got a tin roof. He hears every one of those rocks. Keep praying until God answers the prayers you're praying. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you keep that front porch light on, those kids are coming back home. Don't give up on them. Keep praying. Keep praying. And the last thing, Moses' mom didn't mind anonymity. Her name is twice in Scripture, and both times just in, in the order of genealogy, who she was married to and, and whose mother she was. Sometimes moms, when your kids are growing up and you're running them here, you're running them there, you take them here, you take them here, you do the, sometimes you're just known as so-and-so's mom. Jimmy's mom, Sally's mom. Freddie's mom, who are you? Oh, I'm just so-and-so's mom. It never bothered Jochebed because she knew this was a part of God's process. I think the job of a mother oftentimes goes without notice. But what if, what if, what if Samson could stand here today? We know Samson had a pretty ugly end of his life. He died in victory, but... It was sad the way he died. But what if Samson could stand here today on Mother's Day? I think Samson would probably say, Mom, thanks for not letting me cut my hair. Mom, all those days when I argued with you and fussed with you and threw a fit, thank you. Thank you for not letting me cut my hair. Mom, when I wanted to go to the parties with my friends, thanks for saying no, keeping me away from the liquor and the booze and the stuff that would have led me in a wrong direction. Thank you. And Mom, all those times did you sit there and told me about Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. What if Samuel were here today? What if Samuel were here? What if he were to talk to Hannah today on Mother's Day? I think Samuel would probably say, Mom, Thanks for dropping me off at God's house and making me stay there. I imagine there were times when little Samuel said, I want to go home. I want my mommy. And the priest said, no, you're staying here. I'm sure there are times he picked up the phone and said, Mom, come get me. I'm not staying with these idiots. Come get me. These guys are crazy. Mom, thanks 
Thanks for making me go to church. Thanks for keeping me among the right people so I could learn the right ways from them. Thank you, Mom. What about Jesus? Oh, I, there's so much to be said about Jesus. But if Jesus were to talk to Mary on Mother's Day today, what do you think Jesus might say? I think he might say, Mom, thanks for pointing me and reminding me constantly of God's purposes for my life. I stayed on track because of you. What about Moses? What if Moses were here? Mom, thanks for building that basket. Thanks for keeping me there. You know what's interesting? When Moses became a man, throughout his young years and then later on, we don't know how it all came about, some way, somehow, he knew what was right and he knew what was wrong. He knew whose people were following God and whose people were not following God. And he chose the ways of God because mom's nurturing influence in his life. Mom, you know what it means to nurture? It means to build a waterproof basket and keep that baby in that basket. Mom, thanks for doing that for me. I'm going to pray for all the moms today. Bow your heads for a moment. Father, I pray right now for every mother in the house. God, I pray a special blessing because I know today that there are moms sitting here with broken hearts. Moms who are praying for sons and for daughters. Moms who've got kids deployed. Moms who've got kids off in college. Moms who've got kids who are, who are running in rebellion. Moms who've got kids in high school, junior high, grade school, nursery school. And they're carrying the weight in a difficult time to be raising kids. Father, I pray for moms today that what we've talked about, these four commitments, would be real and then they'd be strong and then they'd be revived to see the end, not the beginning, and understand all that you're going to do. God, bless our mothers with health, with strength, with insight, spiritual insight, not just an intuition, but the leading of the Holy Spirit to know how to raise their kids and how to finish the job you gave them to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed for just one more moment. I'm almost finished. Proverbs 31 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and praises her. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Moms, we honor you today. We praise you. But just before we go, Psalms 91 talks about God being a nurturer. It says he covers us with his feathers and under his wings we can take refuge. Before Jesus went to the cross, he looked over the city of Jerusalem and wept and said, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how many times did I want to come and cover you? As a mother hen would cover and protect her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. Friend, God wants to protect us, not this, just in this life, but in the life to come. God wants to nurture us. I don't care who you are, how old you might be, how experienced you are in the ways of the world. There's still moments in life when we need God's help. We need God to walk us through situations. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never given your heart to God. I want to give you an opportunity right now to open your heart to God who loves you, who put his own son on a cross to pay for your sins. And today, God wants to bring you into his family. We enter into God's family. We say yes to him with a simple prayer, opening our heart and, and letting what's in our heart escape with words. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this with me today, right out loud. You don't have to scream it, but pray it right out loud. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you.
please come into my life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins and was raised from the dead. Come into my life. Fill my life with your blessing. I want to know you, and I want to walk with you all the days of my life. From this moment forward, you are my God. I am your child because of Jesus. Thank you for receiving me. Amen.